welcome to STEM Radio here on the Sisters in Music Network. It's Monday Music Madness, and you're tuned into Mixing It with Nikki Chris. This is Nikki, and in case you don't know anything about me, I'm a singer-songwriter from Raleigh, North Carolina. My show celebrates women and men in the music and entertainment industry, providing an avenue for them to showcase their talent. Our motto, Sisters in Music, Together We Are Stronger. My guest today is a multi-genre producer and recording artist. He has produced and co-produced, as well as recorded, several albums for both himself and other artists. From the beginning, he wanted to use his musical talents in a positive way to uplift listeners and those around him. Along with his partner, they have produced an array of albums and singles since they met in 2001. In 2002, they both formed the group Sacred Circles, and their debut album received a ton of success in Sri Lanka, Malaysia, and Thailand, with presidents and prime ministers of each of these countries being influential to their receiving radio play and being recognized for the positive contributions that both himself and his partner were making with their music. Sacred Circle's follow-up album debuted at number two on the New Age charts and stayed in the top 10 for three months. I am so, so very excited to share him with you. So please join me in welcoming the wonderful Bill Kanakis. Welcome to Mixin' It, Bill. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you so much, Nikki, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and looking forward to doing this with you. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to have you on to share everyone a little bit about you as well as new music that is coming in a couple of weeks until we talk about the new music. I do want to kick things off with some background about you. Why don't you tell us how and when you got started in music? So music has been a part of my life since pretty much the time I could crawl. And I started taking lessons when I was three on the piano. I stuck with it for my whole childhood. And I started writing my first songs when I was 12. And then... The first day that I went in the studio, I was completely hooked. Like, nobody could really take me out of it. I, I knew that that's where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And then I just started taking opportunities where I would be in that producer role or, or recording artist mode where I would just do whatever I could to expand my toolkit so that I could do this professionally. Wow, starting piano at three, first song at 12. It sounds like this has been a massive part of your life. Have there been any specific influential people along the way that have encouraged and coached you to pursue this passion? At that early age, I have to say it was mostly my mom. My mom and my dad were very supportive, but my mom, when I was 
just learning to crawl, and I think I mentioned this to Natalie when I was on her show, my mom would notice that I went up area whenever it was on, and, and I would crawl up to it at not even maybe a year old, and I would put my ear to the, the speaker, and my mom wasn't too sure what to make of it, and this was before I could verbalize, but what she was able to piece together was that I was just really wanting to just surround myself with the sound or within the music. And at first she wasn't sure if maybe I was having a hearing problem, but I would make a beeline every time it was on and I would go there and I would do that. And then when I got to three, then at that point I was begging my mom for lessons and the piano teacher wouldn't take me because I was so young. And so my mom took lessons from the piano teacher, and then she was showing me what she learned. And then one day I was practicing, and the, the piano teacher came to see my mom. And the time I was practicing, and the piano teacher had thought that it was my mom practicing, but she had said that it was me, that it was Phil. And then at that point, the teacher realized that I was serious, and he took me on at, like, three years old as a student. From there, it just expanded and expanded and expanded. And while I was in college, I, I was blessed with so many professors that were in the music industry, and every one of them had such an impact with how I produce today and how I record. And so it's just been people have shown up at the right times where I get a crash course in learning and then take it from there. Like, yeah, there have been a number of people that have crossed paths with me that, you know, I, I just add to my toolkit and then put my own twist on it so that I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing too. That's awesome. And it's also very, very important because I do know and I'll even take it from personal experience. I didn't have family support. My family thought I was nuts. So to have support from your parents, especially your mom, to have support from teachers or professors, that's really important for nurturing and supporting, you know, a passion, regardless of what it may be, whether it's, you know, music or something else. So I think that's fantastic that you had that. Yes, absolutely. I was really blessed with that and that critical stage from when I was younger. And I just pursued it. I just pursued it. And once I started, I just didn't stop. Well, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Because sometimes I feel like I'm playing catch up because I didn't have a lot of support for the music and composition and even playing an instrument when I was younger that now I feel like I have to do double everything to play catch up and it doesn't always work out because now life is in the way, right? And you have too many other things going on. Right. But anyway, it is what it is, right? Not about me. This is about you. So lots of influential people. Any influential artists that maybe you look up to from a musician perspective? I have always been the one to have a cross-genre of music playing. And when I was younger, I would 
mostly listen to a lot of Elton John and Billy Joel. And what I would do is I would just put the, the stereo up on the, the piano, like the boom box, and I would play along. So that's how I was able to take my classical background and kind of mesh it into like other genres because the teachers that I had didn't really know how to teach me that. So I was kind of on my own with that until I went to college and then I got introduced to jazz. And at that point, I felt like what you were just saying with like everything that I learned was not applicable. And then... (laughs) And then I'm like, what is this kind of chord? I, I've never seen this. And what, I'm supposed to solo? Like, why is the song going on for 20 minutes when it it's just a lead sheet? That is, and so that was a section where I felt like I've been playing the piano and I've been working within music for like 18 years or 19 years. And then I go there and it's like, I, I, I don't know what's going on. And that was um, kind of humbling. But within that, I decided to just see what was going on with that. And I was practicing like I was when I was seven or eight doing like etudes. Like I would have to do that with some of these jazz songs. And then after I did it, I then became more familiar with their sounds and incorporating them into my songs. And it was just tone colors that I just wasn't familiar with. And so, yeah, I, I take bits and pieces from everything, but I would say Elton John and Billy Joel were the ones that were most influential that I would always listen to. Two very good ones. Um, seeing them both in concert, familiar with Me too. all of their work. So, yeah, I know. I mean, fantastic, right? Oh, John is fabulous in concert. Anyway, all right, they both are. You have had some success with sound healing, you know, aspects of your music. You do do some sound healing compositions and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I've been involved with sound healing since I was in high school. I was one of the subjects for my thesis one year, and I I started doing experiments over a period of a few years with, with sound and just the natural reaction that people would have. And then as I got out of college, I I started working more within sound healing and the, the first album that I did within that was Kundalini Rising and at the time I was living in Santa Monica and my mom had come to visit and staying at her hotel there was this lady from Massachusetts that was in an accident and she lost a lot of her cognitive skills and she ended up going to Harvard Sound Healing program. So she had a background where she would watch the needle and she would realize that her thoughts had an impact within what was going on with her and her healing. And so she was able to regenerate a lot of her cognitive skills. So when she was over there visiting, 
she wanted to meet me because my mom had mentioned that I was involved with sound healing, and I gave her a copy of Kundalini Rising, and um, she had said that it was one of the most powerful albums that she had heard, and so she took it back with her, and they started studying it over at the Harvard Sound Healing Clinic there, so I was able to develop a report with them within what I was doing. And I tried to involve the aspect of healing within whatever I'm working on. So um, to me, that's primary within everything that I do, whether it be lyrics, whether it be sound. I, I Whatever the listener is listening to has to have a positive response. So that's how I got involved with sound healing. And then I, I started researching more and continue to do now with what I add into the music that I create. I absolutely love that. And I do know somebody else in the music industry as well that does sound healing also. It's actually something that's very interesting to me because I think it's a very unique uh, component of leveraging sound and music from a healing perspective. I love the fact that you're involved in this and I've actually already found your album that you know you shared with the person I'm gonna go and check it out after we're done with our talk. So very excited to do that. And this is a great tee up because like you said, you use this whole methodology of a positive response in all of your compositions. So it's a great place for us to share one of the songs that you brought with you today. Let's talk about Beautiful. What inspired this composition? This was a song that just came out. It just came out. I don't even really remember the place that I was in, but it literally came out in eight minutes. I had the piano part, which was mostly block chords, mapping it out, and then the violin. What you're hearing on the recording is one take. And then I went back, and then I added in the harmony on another take. And then um, I realized that the piano chords were not a match to how the, the violins were sounding. And at that point, I redid the piano. I don't know. I I can't tell you exactly where I was in, but it just funneled through me that morning. And an hour later, it was done with, you know, everything fixed. Well, it is absolutely breathtaking, and we are now going to play it for everyone. So here is Beautiful by Phil Kanaka.
So like I mentioned, this is absolutely breathtaking. And you and I have been on some songwriting workshops and things like that with some of the, the children that you work with. And you will recall that one of the things that I told your students was, is I know when something is good, at least from my perspective, when I get goosebumps listening to it or when something gives me chills. And when I was listening to this, it was almost instantaneous. I mean, constant, and it's constant throughout. It is an absolutely breathtaking song. Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. And I'm really excited for you because it's so beautiful. Talk about the new album, Aquarius Rising. I absolutely love the name. It's coming out soon. No, I do. I mean, I think the name is killer. It's coming out soon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the project, maybe what's inspired you to do this, because I do think it's been a while since you've actually released a full-length album. You know, how did it come together? Talk about it. So there's a lot of dimensions to this project. And, yes, this is the first album that I have released under my name in a really long time. And I had always wanted to make an album that was epic sounding and was melodic. And so this has been kind of a passion project for mine for a while. It never really fully developed until recently. And then back in, I think, January, February, it all clicked in. At that point, production started. The name. It kind of came to me. I mean, everybody understands or has heard the, you know, the age of Aquarius. And and then I was like, well, there's a lot of things going on in the world that maybe aren't so great right now. So I, I started thinking about that and just how everybody thinks about, you know, the age of Aquarius with the good energy coming into the world. And then... I was like, well, that could be kind of an interesting title, Aquarius, something with Aquarius. And then because of personal things that were going on with me, it was also kind of really breaking through a lot of obstacles and just having that that energy come full circle within me with doing a project like this, with, with standing up within who I am, why I'm here on this planet. And so it not only could come to the world type setting, but also individuals. And so this is kind of like my own journey within another aspect that it could be perceived to. So this is kind of me in a nutshell rising or coming up into that part of me that is just myself. So that's where the name came from and the material sounds it too. Like the material is just, you know, that part of me breaking through and saying, here I am. This is who I am. This is what I do. And it's just 
basically the concept of it. And I do have the first song that I wrote when I was 12 there that is going to be on this. And it was never released in a way where um, it got the light of day, but that's going to change with this. Oh, my God, that is so wicked cool. What is that one called? That one is called A Song for You. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. I have songs that I wrote when I was younger that I've never published because I'm like, oh, this is really bad. But anyway, <laughs> you know, when you're first starting out songwriting, you're kind of like you have no clue what you're doing. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing, but, you know, I think I've gotten a little bit better over the years. No, trust me. Sometimes I'm just like, huh, what? But anyway, anywho. Oh, my God, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. All right. Well, this is a great place to take a short break from a word from one of our partners in podcasting. This is the fabulous Chatting with Nat. We will be right back here on Mixing It with Nikki Chris here on the Sim Radio Network. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. And we're back. I'm mixing it with Nikki Chris on the Sam Radio Network. And my guest, the awesome Phil Kanakis. Okay. I know we talked a little bit about the Aquarius Rising title. The title track is Turn Up the Peace, Aquarius Rising. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the story behind that? Because I think you covered some of that in the previous response, but anything else you'd like to add? So with Turn Up the Peace, my partner and I did a concert over at Carnegie Hall back in 2011, I think-ish. And I wrote the song called Turn Up the Peace, and it was performed on stage for the first time then and a lot of people came up to me and said you should record this one day and time went on and nothing really happened within recording that song and it was never released it was just performed that day so everybody kind of got the cliffhanger of it because they were like oh my god I, I want to hear it more, but there's nothing that I can. And so for this album and when the the concept of the album came, then I was thinking that this would be a perfect opportunity to redo it. And I had always wanted to do an epic version of it. And so I, I figured that it not only matched the tone of the album, but this was the opportunity that I could let loose on the epic version that I always wanted to do. And so, yes, that's the title track and that is contained on this album. And it's one of the cornerstone songs from this release. This album is going to be so fantastic. I know Everybody is probably like, okay, will you say that about everything? No, people, let me tell you, because I've heard, I believe, two of the tracks from the album, at least two, and they are 
absolutely fantastic. So I know the entire album is going to be mesmerizing and breathtaking, and I just can't wait. When does the album actually officially release? The album officially releases on the 18th of August. One thing that I'm really excited about with this album, just the artists that are involved. There's so many different artists that are involved that came together, and it's been absolutely amazing. Joining me on this album is going to be Nita Perez and Frank Fasano. I had always wanted to revamp Time to Say Goodbye, and it's absolutely stunning. I can't wait for everybody to hear this. It's stunning, it's breathtaking, it's dramatic, and on A Little Prayer, I was able to have many different artists, including Frank Carrillo, who's an absolutely fantastic guitarist, and some of the singers that are on there I've known my entire life. We had members of the New York Philharmonic on that song with the, the strings, so it, it's been a lot of fun doing this album and it's been so much fun working with Justine on putting together this album on the mixing and it's, it's, it's been really incredible. So the Justine that Phil was mentioning is Justine Blazer who Thanks. is a fabulous artist in her own right but she also mixes and does a lot of recording and producing and things like that so that's the Justine that Phil was tagging about, and I know that they've been collaborating and, and working very hard together. So I'm excited to have the full album experience because I think you're exactly correct. I think this is going to be epic. I'm really excited to hear some of these songs with the vocalists that I know that you have on the album, and I'm sure it's going to be absolutely brilliant. And you teed up our next song very perfectly. So you mentioned a little bit about the, I guess, vocalist that you do have on A Little Prayer. How did that song come together? Because that one seems like it's a much bigger production. So tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll play that for everybody. That was an incredible production to be on. I had wanted to do the song for a, a long time, and the vocalists are singing ooze. They're, they're blending in with the, the strings, but it's just a song that came out at just absolutely stunningly. And I'm playing piano on that, and... Frank Carrillo is on the guitar. It's just amazing. He's such an incredible guitarist. We had members of the string section from the New York Philharmonic on that. It, it was just one of those things just that just came together. And a friend of mine that I knew since I was four, who's a conductor, joined in to conduct them. So it was really nice having that experience with people that I've known for a long time and just being in a studio setting with them and like being in, in the control room and him being in the live room conducting the girls that were, were, were singing and conducting the orchestra that was there. There were about a dozen of them, I believe. So it was incredible. Well, this is another brilliant song. 
And we're going to put it on for everybody now. This is A Little Prayer by Philip Kanak.
another great composition, and you know what? This particular song reminded me of another composer that we're both familiar with, Kit Weekly. When I started listening to this, I was like, oh, my God, this reminds me a lot of Kit. And I obviously adore Kit's music, so very excited for this one to get out in the world because I absolutely love it. And the two songs are very, very different, which is really cool. Yeah, they are. And it was not really a challenge. It was fun to bridge the songs so that that even though they're they're different, they make sense together. Like everything on this album makes sense. But they all have their unique place. That makes sense. It's it's not like yep. it sounds like things are just randomly thrown together. They all definitely do have their unique place. So it'll be interesting to see how the album is laid out. I'm always interested to see how people structure their albums, how they flow, like what the story is with how they stack their songs, the compositions on it. So it'll be interesting to see where that one fits and what comes before it and what comes after it. Okay, that was a nerdy little comment, but it is what it is. (laughs) So one of the questions that I do want to get to before we run short out of time is, I know that you work with a lot of young and up and coming songwriters and musicians. And I do ask all of my songwriters this question do you have a songwriting tip or trick that you would like to share what i do if i get into a a jam is i'll make a column and i'll just write down some random words that are nouns or adjectives or verbs and then i'll start to piece different words together And sometimes it'll spark an idea either lyrically or if it's something that um, paints a picture, then it could inspire just the tone of a song and then ideas usually come. So that has been something that I've used for myself and I also do within the the people that I work with, I have shared this with them, and we we do this together, where um, we'll give ourselves, like, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, and then just pick out some, like, random words that that stick out to you. And then if there's anything that, that stands out that could create a story or create a tone, then at that point, just run with it and see what comes forth. Or if nothing does, then toss those back into your list and then give yourself 30 more seconds or 20 seconds and then pick like three more and just see how it comes together. And if that time, maybe something different stands out. So it, it can work with, with, with titles too. So sometimes if you have like a two word type of a title, then that will also create a lyric or a storyline that could fit within that. And then that's something that I I use when I get into a space where I don't know what to write. 
Great tip. I love that. See, I love asking this question because I always get different responses, and then I'm like, hmm, I'm going to try that because as a songwriter, we're always learning. You're never – Yes, we are. Everything changes, right? We're always learning. So I use this to help educate my listeners, but I also use it to educate myself. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Before we run out of time, what other projects are you currently working on besides the album that's coming out? But are you working on anything else? I am working with Nita Perez on her her new album, and we have some singles that are going to be coming out in the next couple of months on going toward hers. And I have a couple of of other singles that I'm working on with some of the other kids within the songwriting class that I teach. They're going to come out with a couple of singles also in the next stretch of time we're in production. So the question is, what am I not working on? <laughs> that's, 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 that's more the answer. And I have an instrumental version of a very interesting Christmas carol that is going to be coming out in December that's going to be in, in, instrumental. So I, I'm putting my own touch on that. And it's going to be epic. It's going to be dramatic. So I'm excited for that, too. Awesome. Yes, Christmas holiday music is where it's at, because I do know now that they produce Christmas movies, like, all year long. Well, at least before the writer's strike, they did. So, anyway, that is just, like, the best place to be. You could write a new Christmas tune or rearrange an old Christmas tune and it be an instant success. So, great. Looking forward to that. All right. Well, Phil, before we sign off, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? How about where they can find you on social media? Do you have a website you'd like to share? Where can they check you out? My website is philipkanakis.com and Instagram, turn up the piece. Wonderful. And like Phil mentioned, he does do a lot of workshops, a lot of work with young up-and-coming artists. So if you're a young, budding songwriter, musician, be sure to check him out. I have been to his songwriting class. is absolutely awesome. He is awesome. Students are awesome. Everybody is really engaged, loves being there. So if you are a young, budding musician and songwriter, please check out some of his offerings because it is really fabulous and a really great place to learn. And you might make some new friends, which is really cool, too. So with that, Phil, thank you so, so very much for joining me today. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm really excited about the new album and can't wait for that to come out. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Mixing It. On behalf of all of us here at Sim Radio, this is Nikki Chris. Until next time on Mixing It.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.